what happened to that go to sleep. <laughs> My little face. Lord, thank you for this opportunity that Dennis is providing to all of us here to learn more about money and how how strong and how overpowering money can be if we let it. But Lord, we know as you empower us, we can overcome that through your divine wisdom. Lord, bless us and bless Dennis as he shares with us things and items and tips and knowledge and information that we need to know so that we can become better stewards for you, your kingdom, and for our neighbors so that we can help them, guide them to be in your kingdom for eternity. For it's in your precious and holy, your wonderful, your mighty, in your ever-loving name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank My you friend, very much. Dennis Milburn. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming this afternoon. As I said, uh, my job is to keep you awake after lunch talking about finances and, and uh, a treasury person. You know, I'll, I'll try to do as good as I can, but, you know, some of us aren't very uh, humorous at times. So, uh, anyway, I'll do my best. So first, first of all, I want to thank you, thank the conference uh, and Rick for inviting me here. I'm doing this in local churches on Sunday. What I do is, is things that can't be done on Sabbath, at least in my opinion, uh, because of the practical nature of it. But uh, it's a five-part series, and uh, we'll do one hour plus each day. What uh, I'm going to share with you is my wife and I's experience prior to retirement during the transition in retirement and after retirement. So kind of give you the full spectrum uh, of starting out young and right on through. You know, I thought I was fairly frugal when I grew up. My mother uh, tells the story that, uh, that uh, I would loan my big brother money and charge him interest. I don't remember that. But anyway, she thought I was pretty frugal. But even though I have a business degree and a master's in management and thought I knew a lot about finances, I was no match for my wife and her frugality. And she can make a penny squeal. And uh, she's the kind of person that uh, I have to twist her arm to take her out to eat. Now, that's a special woman, right? So anyway, it was, it was easy uh, when you have that kind of a combination I, as was said, I, my interest is not in selling anything, but I have a passion to help people live within their income. Now, if you're a minimum wage, I'm going to have to be honest and say it's going to be a challenge to be on minimum wage and, and live on one income. I worked with a person in, the, in the, the conference office. They were doing a seminar similar to this, a personal finance seminar, and they were sharing their own personal experience. And they made some comment. I don't know what it was, but, uh, but somebody in the, in the group laughed at their comment. And that person said to me, never again am I going to do a seminar. I don't want people laughing at, at what I'm sharing. So, but I'm willing to take the risk. And I hope that we're going to laugh together, sh share some humor together. You may laugh at yourself. You may laugh at me. That's okay. It's worth it if I can help you to avoid one major financial uh, decision. It's going to be worth it all just for that. I must warn you that what I'm about to share with you is maybe hazardous to your health. Hazardous to your mind, I should say. Not your health, but hazardous to your mind. So you, you watch for those, uh, those hazardous parts. Today, we're going to talk about getting it together, attitude. We're going to talk about getting out of debt. We're going to talk about the grassroots of record keeping, just kind of setting the base for the rest of the week. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the big things, the things that can really get you into trouble, cars, vehicles, buying and selling houses. So that's going to be uh, uh, some really uh, interesting thoughts there. On Wednesday, we'll, put, we'll do input and output. We'll talk about uh, making sure you have a good income, 
staying within your means, uh, food, clothes, utilities, uh, a lot of a mixture of a lot of different things. Thursday is going to be the heavy one. It's going to be making it last, talking about retirement, about investing, uh, and planning for retirement mentally, physically, spiritually, and socially. And then on Friday, we'll finish up with uh, trust services, uh, estate planning, passing that knowledge on to your children, grandchildren, the work ethic. So um, I hope we have fun. I hope uh, if I go too quick, I went to a seminar one time and he said, I'm going to give it to you like a fire hose. Well, I, I hope not to give it to you like a fire hose. I'm going to talk fast. But if any time you have a question, comment, disagreement, whatever, just raise your hand. If, and I'll, I'll try to answer that. I like to do it during the session rather than waiting to the end because for me, I, when it comes to mind, I'm ready to, I want the answer right away. If you have, I, I like to get your input too. If we have too much input, it may run us over. So I may have to temper that a little bit. But I, I do want interaction from the group as well. I have some handouts, and you'll see some fill-in-the-blank things there. Uh, somebody said to me, uh, that's helpful to me, but other people have said, that's what I used to do in school, and I don't want to do anything like that. It, it's too distracting. So you do whatever fits your learning style. So I'm trying to, to do hearing, seeing, writing, and hope that, that uh, those principles will stick in, in one of those areas. Um, I try to, to use uh, ideas, not reinvent the wheel. So I try to use a lot of material from uh, Dave Ramsey. I'll be referring to him. How many of you have heard of Dave Ramsey before? Oh, wonderful. So, so you're, you're already there. The people who usually come here already kind of got it together financially. It's those people that think it's no use. They, they're the ones that usually don't come. But... Uh, Anyway, Dave Ramsey and in our area, Clark Howard. Anybody here, Clark Howard in Atlanta? Yeah, he's good. And what uh, the difference I'm going to be doing here is more brass tacks, down to earth, just some ideas. I'm going to go through them quickly. You kind of catch them as we go and uh, what let fit what fits. I know we're a long ways away there. I have, I have a lot on the screen. I'm not, how many of you went to the, the family life one this morning here in this room? Anybody here? Oh, well, this is a marriage uh, enrichment uh, thing because this helps, uh, finances helps to put, keep marriages together, right? So this is partly, uh, partly marriage enrichment. All right. Um, if there's no more questions, are there any questions, we're going to go ahead and get started. All right. First of all, um, my disclaimer. I hope I can see I'll try to move around here. I don't want to stand in anybody's way. My disclaimer is I'm not a fi certified financial planner. So I'm like the preacher that says, don't take my word for it. You study it out for yourself. I knew nothing about retirement, Social Security, even though I was in finance. And I had to get the books and study it out for myself and compare one to the other to determine what really, what really is truth. So I, I'd like for you to, to look at these books and to maybe pique your interest in, in following through on, on further uh, study of this. So who are we? My wife there, um, Dennis and Bobby Platt, uh, Milburn. We lived on one income and worked for the nonprofit for the church for 44 plus years. Spouse spent uh, part-time working except for four years. She was full-time. Her his parents, my parents, were uh, hourly workers. My dad was a truck driver and a, and a mechanic, uh, hourly worker. Um, my wife's uh, father worked for the uh, state of South Carolina in the records, uh, uh, vehicle records department. I canvassed to get through school. I raised calves. My wife did secretarial, did nursing, pay her way through academy and college. So how would, did we handle our finances? We were both frugal, as I mentioned, paying as we went, but we had to decide jointly to pay bills and make purchases. Now, my wife was really good at finance. I had the head knowledge. She had the practical thing. She was really good. So I said, when we got married, I said, you take care of the finances because I'm working with it all day long. I want you to handle that. And she said, no, you're the head of the household. 
you do it. So you, so so who's the boss of the house? The one who told me to do that, right? <laughs> so we hated debt. We used credit cards sparingly. There's my first credit card. Exxon. I was in college at Southern Adventist University, Southern Missionary College, and I got an Exxon card. Did I didn't even apply for it. They just sent it to me. I said, man, this is great. So I learned early to uh, get them paid off. We've always been faithful with returning our tithe and liberal with offerings. We live simply, frugally, but happily. So what's the result? Now we've we planned, we've done this, and where are we at now? So we've retired. I think I'm going to stand right here at this post here, so hopefully no, I won't be in anybody's way. We retired with 80% of our previous earnings. So how, how can you retire with less than, than 100%? Because normally we're putting money aside for retirement. We're, we're having to pay more taxes. We don't have to buy all the stuff we had to do when we're working. So that's how you can live on less. We have a reasonable amount in investments. We've been married for 43 years. We have one child. We've never paid interest on a credit card. We've had no car payments for th over 35 years. And our house was paid off nine years ago. It took us 35 years, but we lived in like six or seven different places. And you know how expensive it is to, to uh, relocate and, and rebuy. We visited all 50 states, and we've been to 48 countries of the world with God's help. So the presentations, I've already mentioned that, so we won't go through that. So getting it together. First of all, um, on your handout, there's going to be uh, embedded in the, in the verbiage will be some aqua-colored uh, things. Not the first one here, but I'll, I'll point it out, the first one, if you want to write it down. But understanding Christian priorities, we have to understand that God owns everything. We are his managers. We live to glorify God. Prosperity is having our needs met. Debt is a curse, the Bible says. Tithe is a minimum evidence of Christian commitment. And in the judgment, we have to give an account. That's kind of a summary of what, what our Christian principles are. I ran across this, one of my favorite authors. You understand, I'm giving this to Adventist and non-Adventist groups in churches. People invite them to Sunday, so I say my, one of my favorite authors. Money has great value, but it can do great good because it can do great good, but money is of no more value than sand, only it is used in providing for the necessities of life. That's the first fill in the blank. You see the, uh, the, the green necessities of life, the blessings of others, and advancing the cause of Christ. I thought that was so neat. It's no more worth than sand. So necessities, blessings, and advancing the cause of Christ. Okay, everybody get that? I don't want to go too fast. So what is thriving? Uh, it's not just living on one income, but I call it thriving. Yes. Oh, yes, thank you. All right, yes, please, that's good. All right. So what is my definition of splurging? I, I'm not thriving. Not splurging, but rather having what you need and being content with what you have. We can have pretty much anything we want. We can have another car. We can have an expensive car, but those cars only have four wheels and a steering wheel and windows. We don't need the, the, the luxury vehicle. We have a car that can do anything pretty much those luxury vehicles have. We can have that. We could buy that if we wanted to, but we have trained ourselves not to be clamoring for all the latest and greatest things. You know, people's spending grows to meet their income. So what do people typically do that get a $2,000 tax refund? What do they typically do? Spend it before they get it. What else? Yeah, and they advertise that. Hey, come and do this. What's some other comments? 2500 What? What do people typically do with that? Buy something? Well, yeah, I hope they would tithe. Yes, good. <laughs> well, you're a unique group here. 
But lots of people say this is a time to put a down payment on a new car or to go on a vacation. But if they're in debt, is that a good idea? So that's why the little frowny face faces, because people, are, if they're in debt, they get money. They don't know what to do with that. I gave a, some money I gave a, some money to a lady in our church who didn't, who didn't have much money. She had just bought a car, and I said, I want you to apply that to the car, the loan. I saw her a month or so later, and she said, you know, I have had the most wonderful Christmas. I have never had so many. I, I've bought me like three new dresses, and thank you so much for that money. And I'm thinking... Uh, where did I miss the communication <laughs> with her? <laughs> now, usually we blame the women to get us into the problem of sin, right? But if, the, if Eve hadn't done it, here's what would have happened today. When the man saw that the car was good for speed... That it was beautiful to the eye and a car desirable to make one's head turn. He took the sales pitch and bought it. And the eyes of both of them were open and they knew they were in debt. <laughs> That's the DMV version, the Dennis Milburn version. There's lots of versions out there, but this is the one that I, I think is a good one here. But I had somebody say, talking about a car, they said, well, that's part of my personality. I have to have a car to represent my personality. I thought, yeah, if you can afford it. <laughs> but he probably had to buy it. So Christians should be generous, ambitious, and generous. John Wesley, the well-known Methodist founder, here we're in a Methodist camp meeting, so that's good, make, said, make all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. I like that. God wants us to be, gener to be generous. He wants us to be prosperous. And that's not prosperity religion. That's basically pros being prosperous. So, you know, there's some things that have happened in the last 50 years. And I can say this because I remember that 50 years ago plus. Four things that didn't exist 50 years ago. Credit card debt. They're just, just getting started. And we paid cash or we made a loan at the grocery store or the feed store or whatever. Saving for retirement, because what did people do when they got old? What, where did they go if they got old? Family, they went to the kids. Now, maybe the kids don't want to have parents today, or maybe the parents don't want to be a burden on their kids, but that's a new concept that's come about that we need to save for retirement and not be a burden on the rest of the family. Identity theft. Wow. That's a, that's a biggie. Anybody here ever have identity theft? Any problems? Oh, my. I, I don't know what I do. Uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you some things that, that I've tried to avoid, and maybe that's helped. But uh, extra health, high health care costs. Huge costs today. Um, and people living longer, so we, we prop them up. We keep, keep them on life support, and that's very expensive. Changing times. Um, you've heard the statement, take care of the pennies and the dollars will take care of themselves. Well, I didn't know where that came from, so I went to the Internet, and the Internet, anything you find on the Internet is true, right? <laughs> it, are you, not, you don't think that's true? I thought everything on the Internet was true. But anyway, this is what it gave, came up with. said a man named William Lowndes back in the 1700s said, said that. was attributed to him. But today we might say take care of the dollars and the hundreds will take care of themselves. So here are some financial signals of, some danger signals of financial bondage. And there's one of the fill-in-the-blank things. Chain, uh, charge when you don't have the money. Uh, I'm going to move over here so I'm not standing in the same people's way all the time. So charge when you don't have the money. Uh, put off paying bills till next month. You borrow when you pay off fixed expenses such as taxes or insurance. I have a family member says, you know, man, 
I'm having difficulty because uh, the 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 uh, the insurance was due this month. I'm thinking, okay, well, isn't the insurance due once a year or twice a year anyway? Why is that a catastrophe, an emergency? It's going to come up. Uh, you take savings to pay bills. When you open a new credit card to pay off an, an old one, the one that's past due, when it's difficult to return tithe and pay offerings to God, and when you and your spouse argue about finances, wow. See that lady with the diamond hook to her leg there, chained down. That is attributed to Oliver McKinney. He used to be the trust service, uh, the stewardship director in the Southern Union Conference, so I certainly want to give him uh, credit for that. He has since passed away, but uh, I, I like to borrow as many things as I can that are good. So 2017 credit stat status, average uh, Experion uh, said that uh, the average uh, credit card was 6,354, and most people have two and a half credit cards. I have two, we have two credit cards. So what is the condition today? Debt robs you of the freedom of choice. Financial maturity is giving up today's desires for tomorrow's benefit. Today's desires for tomorrow's benefit. So a credit card is what you use today to buy what you can't afford tomorrow where you're still paying for yesterday. Properly managed credit cards can be handy as well as harmless mismanaged, they can ruin one's financial future. That's Oliver McKinney again. So let's assume one has a, a debt of just $2,000 in their credit card, which is typical, probably very low. Routinely, they send in only the required minimum payment. It will take 33 years to pay that $2,000 debt off. The interest during that period will be 20% or thereabouts. So that'll be $7,125.98. In short, you borrow $2,000 and you pay back over $9,000. What a deal for the lender, that is. So finances, marriage, and relationships. 68% of finances were a source of strife, 68% in relationships. One in four of the participants stated they had previously broken up with a spouse due to financial issues. So this is a huge problem, not only outside of our church, but within our church. It takes two to tango. You know, I, I've, I've, I love to see the coordination of people dancing together. Now, I, I, am, I do not dance, and I wouldn't dance if I could, but... Uh, to see the, the, this going together, working together. It is, it is beautiful the, how it, it goes together, but it takes also two to tangle. We can argue and too many, it just hurts me just to look at that picture, doesn't it you? Changing attitudes, you can do this, you must work together. You can't be at odds together. So. How to solve those financial strife issues? First of all, plan together. I was in a conference one time and I was working on a budget. We always have challenges trying to, to uh, handle conference finances. And uh, somebody said to me, uh, you know, I, like, I don't like the way you budget. You don't give us what we need. I said, okay. So I took uh, a couple of pastors, a couple of teachers, some executive committee members, some laypersons, some people, departmental people in the office. I said, okay, we're gonna work together on a budget. <coughs> so we spent two days, everybody's wish list, put all the things that, that needed to be in there, they thought. We got to the end, we were way out. I said, okay, now the work starts. We went line by line through everything and it was a laborious thing. And at the end they said, please, do not ask us to do this again. We trust you. Wherever Rick went, we trust you. <laughs> so, but when you involve people together, you're working together, then 
it's going to have much more buying power. Make a budget together. So when you involve the person, that's important. The purse holder, who is the purse holder? The person what? The head of the household. Uh, there we go, the financial manager, the ones who's, who's writing the checks, who's putting money in savings. That's what I call the purse holder. The purse holder, maybe the husband, maybe the wife, maybe if, if you're single, maybe you. Purse holder needs to give the other spouse some cash to spend with no accounting. It's a trust thing. You have to, you have to do that. So my wife has a credit card. My wife has a checkbook. My wife has cash. Review the status together on a regular basis. The purse holder needs to get the spouse informed in case of illness or death. Be flexible on, yeah, in case of illness or death. How many families, individuals do you know, one person passes away or maybe they become ill and, uh, and incapacitated and all of a sudden they don't know where to go. They've got some complex formula on the computer and they've done it all their life and the other person has is, is just said, you take care of it. And so now they're responsible for trying to put that together and pay bills. It's a challenge. So make sure that, that they're aware of that. I have one piece of paper that has all of our accounts on. It has where they're at, how much it is. I do it once a quarter. I'll talk about that in a little bit. <clears throat> and I've told my, my daughter and my son-in-law, here's where the piece of paper is. If something happens to my wife or I, here's where everything's at. Here's where our will is, our trust, uh, all of our accounts. You don't have to look any farther. Everything's here. All of our insurances, whatever we have. But be flexible on both sides when you're trying to solve financial issues. And, of course, pray together. Did you know that every home has two washing machines in it? Two of them. Well, maybe some don't have that. But the, the normal washing machine uh, washes clothes and the brain washing machine. Now, that brain washing machine tells you you deserve to have a new car. You deserve these special clothes or whatever. And the one in Atlanta says that every eight years that our mattresses double in weight because of dead skin. And so you need to buy a new mattress every eight years. And almost within that same thing. And we will sell you that for 96 months uh, credit. We'll give you 96 months. Well, if I did the math, let's see, that's a... Eight years. <laughs> so I'm going to be paying on my mattress for eight years and then I have to replace it. That's what they tell you. The advertisements, the television tells you you need to do. A thirst for more things. A luxury once enjoyed becomes a necessity. Now I remember the days when the, my windshield, my uh, windows, I used to crank my windows in my car. And then I got a push button. Do you think I'm going to want to crank my windows anymore? No way. I mean, I, 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 that's just where we're at now. So we, a luxury once enjoyed becomes a necessity. Get over the idea that getting and staying in control of your finances has to be a burden. It is a relief once you go through the effort of getting there. And... Probably most of you are too young to recognize the gentleman at the bottom there. Anybody know who that is? Fred, yes, Fred Flintstones. But he was the happiest guy that I found. So I thought that was great. A relief once you get the effort of getting in charge of your finances. New versus gently used. You do not always have to have a new car. Now, have any of your parents ever said to you, buying a used car is what? Buying someone else's? Oh, you've heard that too. Well, do you believe in your parents? Yes. To a point. There we go. Okay. All right. All right. That's a good thought. But 
when, when you're told that, and another thing is, when a car gets to be 100,000 miles, it, you got to do what? Get rid of it, right? Okay, we're going to talk about that tomorrow. Tomorrow you'll save your $1,000. You have to come back, okay? I'm going to give you $1,000 and much more. But you do not always have to have a car payment. So I was helping a lady in, in the office I worked in, and she had the car payment and having challenges financially. I finally got her to to get a, a, a good, reliable car instead of getting one that wasn't, uh, wasn't holding up and always had to have repair. <coughs> and so just like she was within two months of, of uh, getting her car paid off, and, and then she had an accident and uh, total, totaled her car. So she had to buy a new car, and of course she wanted a more expensive car because luxury. And so she started the car payments over again. You do not have to have all new furniture when you buy your first house. The only ha thing harder than getting a new idea in the mind is getting an old one out. Same thing with the car, with the car issue and your parents on that. Yes. A 57? Hey, there you go. <laughs> it's a good investment, right? Yeah, yeah. We have to we have to use God gave us these things to use. So it may be some people I had a young man in one of my seminars say and his mom was there. He says, I keep fixing up my car. I love to fix my car. My mom tells me I need to get rid of it. I said, well, are you a good mechanic? He says, yeah. I said, well, then I'd suggest you just keep your car. <laughs> but uh, we, God gave us these things to use. You do not have to have a high interest credit balance just because everybody else does. Be different. Zero is great and debt free is great. My mom said that uh, things worth having are worth waiting for. When we save or when we anticipate that, things are better. Now, it took me a while before I got married. It took us 12 years. I knew my wife 12 years before we uh, started dating and uh, got married but you know I appreciate that we've been married 43 43 years this year but um, that's what happens in accountant we're a little slow sometimes we it takes a little while to get things together but when we started dating it took about three or four months and man I was ready <laughs> I proposed but worth waiting for we appreciate things better now, a marshmallow theory. Every time I do one of these seminars, I come up with suggestions. Uh, I ask you to, to give me input. And uh, I came across this, and I thought it was really good. Think long-term benefits. So this, this uh, psychologist in the 1970s offered the children a small reward, one marshmallow, immediately. But if they would wait 15 minutes, they would give them two marshmallows. So they took... He took the, the others, studied the lives of those, of the, those children 40 years later, and found that the ones who delayed gratification had much better life outcomes, including higher grades. So thinking long range. A simple formula, and I started out as a math major. I, I couldn't cut the calculus and the, and the, and the physics, but uh, I still like to work with numbers. But even people who don't like to work with numbers can figure out you just have to spend less than what you make, right? It's a simple math. If your output exceeds your input, then your upkeep will be your downfall. And the question I ask is, are your finances weighing you down? So when's the best time to plant an oak tree? 30 years ago. The next best time is today. Start today. Today's a fill-in-the-blank one. So Dave Ramsey, I'm sorry for those people in the back of the room. I'll, I'll read it. But uh, And all of these slides, as I mentioned earlier, are available to you on a website that I'll give you at the end of the, uh, end of the seminar. So baby step number one, I don't like to reinvent the wheel, $1,000 cash in a beginner emergency fund. Step number two, Use the debt snowball. We'll talk about what that is and, and evaluate that a little later. 
pay off all your debts, all your debts, but the house. Uh, fully funded emergency fund of three to six months of expenses. Baby step number four, invest 15% of your household income. Somebody was asking me that today. Pastor was saying, what percent do you say? I said, well, Dave Ramsey says 15%. Um, baby step number five, start savings for co saving for college. Um, pay off your house early and then build wealth and give generously. And I'd like to move that kind of to the first one in the Seventh-day Adventist uh, in the Christian era. We need to be generous at the beginning as well. So $1,000 debt, three to six months, 15%, college, home, generously. Okay? So 10 steps to making your 20s. I see, don't see too many 20-year-olds here today. But uh, basically, we'll cover all of these uh, and uh, much more. Okay, so where find out where you are in your packet. I have a sheet called the net worth sheet. We're not going to fill that out now. We don't have time. <clears throat> but I heard um, uh, Bernie Sanders on the news. They said he's worth $2 million. Well, how did they determine that? They were talking about, well, how, how could a socialist have, be worth $2 million? Anyway, we won't get into politics. <laughs> but $2 million. Uh, so you determine that by taking your assets, what you own, your house, what it's valued at, your cars, and subtract your liabilities. That's what you owe on that. You just, what you own on the left-hand side, what you owe on the right-hand side, you total them up, take the difference, that's your net worth. Now, when I first did this, I thought, is this like King David counting the people in his kingdom? And God said that was not a good thing. I don't, I don't think so, because this gives a guideline to say where we're at so that when we're making plans, we can see when we do it the next time, if we're making improvement, we're increasing our income, our savings for retirement. So I do it maybe every three to six months. I'll do that. I'll, I'll get that. I'll look at my car see how, what it's valued at if I were to sell it today, private sale. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, and, and just interesting there. Now, I have to say that the form that you have is missing one line. And you don't need to look at it now. I'll just tell you about it. The line I came up with when I did my net worth thing, I said, huh, I feel pretty good. I, it's, it's improving. It's looking good. I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm worth a lot. But I forgot to put the line in that says, what I owe God. So I have in my spreadsheet, take that number above and subtract that, the, the total of that from there. So my net worth is this without God, right? Okay. So it can go like that. Something could happen. A disastrous thing could happen and wipe out all of our savings. So. We really owe everything to God, don't we? So understanding the problem also, you can put together a budget on paper. And this is one I found, and I said, that looks too complex. So I made up my own, or I, I found it on the Internet, and uh, I put that in there, double-sided. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes, you take the, the total value, what it, you would sell it for, minus the real estate fee, 6% real estate fee, or whatever you think that might be. So if it was, 100, if it was for simple numbers, $100,000, I'd put it at $94,000. And then on the other side, if you owe 50 on it, so then it's uh, 96000 minus 50 would be $46,000. If you're just taking those two numbers. But you're going to take all of the numbers, all that you own and what you owe, subtract from that. So good question. Yeah. The total, what it's worth, because you're going to subtract uh, the loan. Okay? So budget re recommendation. Here's a Dave Ramsey. I, I went on some, and I added up the numbers, and I said, that comes up to 160%. That isn't any good. So I like Dave Ramsey's. So if you take the first, the first number, the 10, uh, tithes and offerings 10, and food 5, and savings 10, and housing, that's your 50%. And then the balance is your 
clothes, transportation, insurance. On the other side, the, the, the other side, 10 to 15, if it took the right number, that comes up to 80% and at least 20% for that. So um, it, it just made more sense. Um, okay. Yes, sir. I don't know how to calculate the worth of your pension. I'm, that's, a, that's a mathematical formula, and I'm, I'm not <laughs> aware of that. <laughs> but you can take what you're getting per month yeah. and then compare that with what you need for the month. We'll look at that. We'll look at that on uh, Thursday, and we'll, we'll put that together So to determine how much is enough. Some people say, I've got to have a million dollars for a retirement. Uh-uh, you don't know what you need. You may need more than that. You may need less. So we'll look at that and how to figure out in your situation. So the problem and the promise. Proverbs says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. It says God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And the promise, the provision is that if we're faithful to the Lord, he will open the windows of heaven in blessing. So freedom through self-denial. This is another one of my favorite authors. Deny yourself a thousand things than to run into debt. Avoid it as you would the smallpox. Take care of the pennies and the dollars will take care of themselves. Work them off as fast as possible and you can stand forth as a free man again. Owing no man anything, you will have achieved a great victory. So how to get out of debt. So I'm going to read this because I know the, the, the color is a little difficult and the size is a little difficult from the back here. Give ownership of everything to God. Give God his honest portion to his church. Stop all spending and not, not absolutely essential. In other words, put the credit card away. Stop all indebtedness immediately. Promise to put all extra income on debt pay down. In other words, that's the tax refund. Promise to take all that extra money and put that on there. Sell or replace uh, cheaper, all depreciating items causing debt. That may mean that you need to sell an expensive car that has a lot of payments so you can get a cheaper car. Closely examine food costs. Cut to 15%, cut 15 minimum. Begin immediately to do-it-yourself for services. And I'm going to share some practical do-it-yourself things that you can do. Set a challenging goal uh, for debt payment each payday and make getting out of debt a family effort, including children, a family effort. Dave Ramsey has this thing about getting out of debt. Any of you listened, if several of you mentioned you, you have listened to Dave Ramsey, one of the things he does on the radio when people get out of debt, they shout, we're debt free. And you have the kids there too. If they, the kids have seen your struggle to go through getting out of debt, then they have, as he says, uh, uh, a, a um, well, they're, they're, they buy into that as well because they know what it costs to get out of debt. Yes, ma'am. Did I skip 10? Making getting out of debt a family effort. Denied? What does it say? Uh, analyze your situation by writing down your and making a budget. Writing it on your net worth and making a budget. Okay. Sometimes I will put it in the heading. If I put it in the heading, I'll try to underline it. I'm sorry, I should have mentioned that. But there's an underline in the heading. Um, okay. So the pay the uh, pay down method. There's two different pay down methods. One is called a debt avalanche, and the other is called a snowball. So now, so you've got you've got three or four debts, and one has got hot, really high interest, and there's others and all. And let's and and what is the debt avalanche? Does anybody recall what the debt avalanche is? Paying the debt. The debt avalanche is saying, <coughs> take the highest the highest interest and get that rid of first. That makes sense? Is that you think that's what we ought to be doing? No. The reason is you didn't get into debt by accident. You need all the rewards you can get to get out of debt. And so 
Dave Ramsey is recommending the debt snowball. Any of you live in the North Country? In the North, okay. You know what a snowball is. You get, you start small and you keep a little bit at a time. You keep rolling, 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 and it gets bigger. You're taking care of that. So what you do in the debt snowball is you take the smallest debt, the least amount you have, regardless of what the interest is on it, and you pay that off first. The reason is you pay that off and you say, yes, I've got one paid off. Okay, now let me go after the next one. And so you get that reward faster so that mentally. Now, the other way makes sense financially, yes. But again, you didn't get into debt by accident. You got you to gotta have that reward along to keep you snowballing, get the rest of that taken care of. You don't get out of debt by accident. That is certainly true. Okay, so plan to pay it off. So I've put together, I couldn't find anything on the Internet on this, so I put together a debt reduction sheet. So to, to write down what it is, and then, then you can do that by the, by the month or whatever, and watch yourself get that paid off. Make decisions for change needed. Remember four things. Get goals, set goals and times for accomplishment. If deviating, get back on track. Rejoice at achieving each goal. Stay on track. It all takes discipline. So are we going to have failures along the way? Yes. We're going to mess up. Something's going to come up. But just keep working at it. Keep plodding away and keep working at it. So evaluate methods of payment. So we're going to look at that. So cash, cash and checking, debit and credit cards, payroll deduction, deductions, payroll uh, bank withdrawals. And the question is, what may be your problem if you're having financial problems? And if so, what changes will you make? So here's, here's credit cards. So what are the pros and cons of credit cards? <coughs> the advantages are, the pros, you get cash back, you get miles, you get points in some. I got a check for 700 and some dollars some purchasing things just from my credit card because I had built up points. That I wouldn't have gotten if I had paid everything cash. Purchase uh, and fraud protection. Yeah, sometimes I get things on there and I call them up and say, I don't know what this is. You know, take it off. I said, okay. Grace period gives interest-free loan and bills credit history. The disadvantages are interest charges build up if not paid in full. So as I mentioned earlier, we paid all of our credit cards off whenever they're due. Usually I get it, try to do it within a few days of getting the bill. There are fees for late payments in some transactions and it's easy to overspend. So debit cards, people say, well, okay, well, I don't want a credit card, I want a debit card. So what are the advantages of that? Spending limits to your bank account balance except you may overdraft. Um, there's no interest charges or monthly payments. You may qualify for higher interest checking, but uh, there's few debit cards offer cash back or rewards, weaker fraud protection, fees for overdrafts, and doesn't build credit history. So cash and checking. So the advantages are, and Dave, Dave Ramsey says, I, I listened to his, one of his presentations not long ago, says, I don't have a credit card. And I'm thinking, how do you get along in the world without a credit card? How do you go to a hotel? How do you get, rent a car? How do you do that with just cash? I, I don't understand. Um, he, he didn't answer my question. No, I wasn't there. <laughs> he was just doing a presentation. But um, it's easy to, uh, easy to set spending limits, can't be stolen. Some retailers offer cash discounts, like in Atlanta, we get, for gas, we get it cheaper if you pay cash. The disadvantages, you can't spend, uh, can't track spending automatically. There's fees for out-of-network ATM withdrawals. I don't use an ATM unless I'm overseas. I don't like to, I like to be able to get to the back of the, of the uh, computer. No protection if stolen, and it doesn't build credit history. I go to the bank, it's a, it's a witnessing opportunity, and I cash a check. I get cash. I get, get one envelope for my wife and one envelope for me, and I make a personal contact. And uh, just, just something that's worked for us. So we have cash, we have the checking account, and we have credit cards. 
So payroll with deductions and, pay and bank withdrawals, the pros and cons. The payroll deductions for savings is fantastic. If, you're, if you can do that or if your, your company, uh, the organization you work with, uh, can deduct it and put it in your 401k, then that is fantastic because out of sight, out of mind. Out of, uh, automatic bank withdrawals, the benefit is no worry for missed payments. Now, my son-in-law in the back of the room, he doesn't like to write checks. Um, he likes everything automatic. See, he's one of these younger generation people. You know, I write checks. I write checks. And I'm, I'm old-fashioned, but it's worked for me. It's worked for me. It may not work for you, but I'm just throwing out ideas. You can laugh at them. That's all fine, but, but it works for me. No worry for missed payments because it's automatically done. Save a stamp in time. The disadvantage, if you don't have to write a check and see the amount, you're less concerned about the amount. Yes, ma'am. Yes. There you go. There you go. I see my son-in-law shaking his head. Yes, Dad. She's telling the truth. <laughs> and my daughter. <laughs> my, my son-in-law has brainwashed my daughter to believe <laughs> Dave, Dave and Marlene Coburn, they're music people, you know. You've probably heard them on uh, 3ABN. Uh, they have some CDs out. It just happens to be in the ABC if you want to get some, I think. <laughs> my son-in-law, yeah, my son-in-law. My son-in-law, yeah, I don't want to take his, his, his father's here, so can't take away his kid. Okay, so here is the record keeping. I'm, I'm telling you that this is going to be just down and dirty. So record keeping, keep it simple. We have two checkbooks. We have one with a running balance. My wife writes checks, and I tell her if you write a big check, tell me. I don't want to bounce anything. A huge check. She doesn't write very many checks, but anyway. So I have one with a, a balance. We have two file folders. These, let's see, does this work? Oh, yes, look at that. Two file folders, simple file folder, one for credit card charges. So whenever we get a credit card charge, we just stuff it in there. There's no organizing thing. We just stuff it in this, this, this folder. Real, real simple thing. And then one for credit card statements. So when I pay the bill, I attach all my receipts to the statement, uh, uh, credit card statement, and then I have another folder for that. A small accordion file for paid bills, cash receipts, payroll stubs, donations, everything. Now, do, and that's right here, this right here. So everything goes in there, everything for my taxes, everything. So I don't have a big fall, a, a four-door file cabinet with, you know, utilities, you know, car insurance, blah, 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 blah. I just use that accordion file. And when the end of the year comes, I just take that file and I go move it storage area it's all there when I do my taxes I just have it all there everything is there so between that and my state my credit card statements it's just super simple so we want to keep things simple so pardon the the picture but I couldn't find anything I ha I just added this slide because there are some permanent documents and even though I, I think my record keeping is okay my wife will say, now, don't we have a warranty on that uh, washing, washing machine? Uh, let's see, what year would I need to go back to? No, we take the warranties there, and it's got ABC on the first thing, and then it's like uh, DEF, and uh, so that right there. So pardon, pardon the sloppy-looking thing there, but it works. And it's been there for 20, 30 years. So we just put the warranties in there, and periodically we go through and throw them away. But that way you keep the permanent record. That is in a four-draw file cabinet, but just simple. And then all the manuals, I put in a little thing like that. So uh, it kind of looks like that. Um, it's got folders in there for the refrigerator and the, and the washing machine and the whatever else. My tools, all my tools, I've got one just for my tools. So record retention, seven years for receipts, bills, credit card statements, 
payroll stubs and the accordion file, seven years. Now, somebody said, well, they only go back three years. If you have, um, uh, if they need to, to do an audit on you. But if they think there's fraud, they go back seven years. So, so anyway, pr I keep permanent, the permanent for tax records. I like to just go back and, you know, what are, what, what are my income? I'm a kind of a historian and a genealogist. I go back, you know, 20 years ago, what was my income then? What did I spend uh, that? So anyway, I have those documents there. Shred any documents that have Social Security numbers, credit cards, bank account numbers, check deposit slips. So we shred those. So I, they don't get out of the house. They don't go in the recycling bin. Those are all shredded. Um, lockbox for important papers or home safe. So have those important papers or birth certificates in a lockbox. And written or video records of your home assets. I still need to do this. I keep, I, I keep putting it off, but it's where you take a video camera and you go around your whole house and you look at everything. And so if the house burns down, you can validate what you have there to replace. Reconcile. Check the credit card statements for problems before paying. For correct amounts, fraud, ID theft. Review the checking account for, uh, monthly for accuracy. So, so here we went camping. We spent $35 for a campsite. And I didn't notice it, but somebody else's check came through my the same exact amount that came through that campsite charged to my bank account. Well, I didn't catch it for a couple of months. And I, I went to the bank and I said, hey, this, I said, I'm sorry, Mr. Milburn, but, uh, you know, you got to let us know on a timely basis. We can't, fortunately, it was only 30, 35 bucks, but it could have been a lot more. So just monitor your credit card statement and your, your bank statements. <clears throat> Keep it simple, all records in one place. Again, that accordion file with everything. Summarize for the CPA or better do it for you, do it yourself with software, state and federal. I was talking to a, a, um, a family member, a single family member, pays $150 a year to have their taxes done. They have very simple taxes to do. I paid $32 for state and federal, did my own taxes. By the time I put together all the stuff for a CPA to do it, I can do it myself. Now, even though the, I have to be honest, even though the new tax law is supposed to be simplified, there was a lot more questions this year. Hopefully, they'll get it straightened out and it'll be more simplified next year. But but it was a little more complex this year. And then I took, put all of that tax stuff in a 9 by 12 uh, folder and mark it the year 2018 taxes and uh, store that with my accordion folder. Uh, plan your, your W-4 exemptions to give you a refund. So somebody says, well, no, you don't let the, need the, let the government use your money for free. You need to have that. No, I, I, I don't like to pay money in. I certainly want to get money back. So it's kind of like a forced savings thing for me. I like to just a personal thing. So avoid identity theft. Have passwords for internet logins written down. Make those passwords long enough, eight plus characters, best to use a phrase. <clears throat> Again, shred the documents for social security, credit card uh, numbers, birth dates, passwords, whatever. Freeze your credit. <clears throat> There's three credit agencies that need your request. Keep the info to unfreeze. So everything is paid off in our house, has been for a number of years, no mortgage, haven't had a car loan for 35 years. Uh, so, so we don't need any money. So to borrow any money, we've got savings. <clears throat> So in Atlanta, we have a choice of picking our gas companies. You can lock in a price for a year or two years. So I found a company that was going to save a little money for us, and I said, I want to go with you. He says, I need to check your credit. I said, no. I said, I can give you my Discover card, tell you my number, my, my credit card, my uh, whatever it is. Number maxes out at 800 and some. I forget what it's called. But uh, <clears throat> I said, I can give you that said, no, we need to check your credit. So he's, and he said, what you can do is call, call one of the credit agencies and ask them to, to unfreeze your thing. It doesn't cost anything. 
Um, but you can unfreeze it for two or three days. They can check your credit, and then it automatically freezes back. So I said, oh, that's great. So what does freezing do? Freezing means that nobody else can open up a, 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 uh, a credit card or get a loan or, or check your credit. So that way you avoid the identity theft if you have everything paid off. Okay. No, no, it has nothing to do with your credit card. It's just, it's just opening a new credit card. So somebody can't get your social security number and open a new credit card. And those little applications that come in the mail that, that want you to open up a new credit card, got my name on it, got address on it, I shred those. I don't want somebody to just sign the thing and send it in and change the address. So you gotta be real careful. So what are those? Somebody said, well, what are those companies? Experion, TransUnion, and Equifax. Those are the three, three companies. And I, was it Experion is the one that let all the, everybody's credit out? You go online. Uh, it's not your credit card. You freeze your credit, your credit, uh, credit agency. You go online and you, you get these. If you just Google freeze credit, it'll come up with these. And then, then you go on there. You can do it all online. Just make sure that you keep the code to unfreeze it. Yeah, because you can't get in unless you have that code. So there's a comment or question here. Yes. Okay. Mm, yes. Yeah. So they just sent it to you. You didn't. You didn't request it. They sent you a credit card and just said, "Start using it." Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This sounds like a new card. They just. They just sent him one and said. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, they'll do whatever they can, all kinds of crazy things to do. All right, I'm looking at time here. I want to finish on time, and this is my last slide, uh, my next to the last slide. Being happy doesn't mean you have it all. It means being thankful for all you have. And I love this picture, don't you? I mean, it's, it's great. Our grandkids, uh, two grandsons, uh, they, they don't want to go to the other room to sleep, but we can't have them in our bed because they kick too much. So we put them down on the, a pallet on the, in our bedroom, and when they wake up, they'll crawl up in bed with us. And the little girl, she, she'll get up. Uh, in the, she is in the other room. But uh, isn't that great? I mean, that's being contented. I said being contented with what you have. And these people contented. You think about people overseas that have nothing and that are happy. And here we're frustrated because we can't get the latest and greatest of everything. All right, so tomorrow we're going to do houses and cars. Now, a whole lot less theory tomorrow. I did a little, little theory in today, but houses and cars, and we're going to, it's probably the, the, uh, the most valuable part, and we're going to hit it hard, and we're going to share some ideas that, to stretch your mind and some new creative ideas and, and ways of experience of buying and selling cars and houses and uh, so we should have a lot of uh, interest there. And then uh, Wednesday we'll do the, the income and expenses, and then retirement, making it last, and then paying ahead. So thank you all for coming. A great crowd here today. And uh, uh, just be available if any of you have any questions. I'll be here all week. Uh, again, I, I'm not a certified financial planner, but I'm just wanting to share some ideas that, that uh, I think maybe have helped to people. Yes, sir. We have a friend here who's been disabled, I guess, since she was 14, so she gets $750 a month. Okay. I've been told that people with that kind of income don't seize money or something to be saved or transfer. They, they think about spending it. Yes. Money is to be spent. Yes. So it's a whole different mindset. Yes.
Right. Yep, that's right. That's 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 when somebody gets a raise, then their cost of living goes up. They're going to buy a new car. They're going to they're going to do something else. They're going to go on vacation. They're going to uh, increase whatever they're doing. So, again, thank you so much for coming, and I'll let you go. And if you have any questions, comments here, I'll be happy to try.